All right, guys, welcome to Heatwave Sports. Looks like, well, Tom Martin sitting in with Tim Unglesby for a little while here until we get Tim back. It's going to be just me from TomBartonSports.com. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. We are in the middle of football season and the lead up to football season, I should say. We're in the middle of baseball season. We have a lot to talk about, a lot of things going on. And college football, guys, the next time we talk, college football games will be in the books. The next time we talk, Saturday night, college football will already be in the books. We're going to have games under our belt. So it's kind of one of those exciting times that sort of sneaks up on you. It seems like every year. And I get that Las Vegas is a little bit different than the rest of the country where it's not you don't get your summer months per se, right? But for the rest of the country, you're starting to think about the kids going back to school. You're starting to, to get into that mindset. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Boom! All of a sudden, well, football's here. And it sneaks up on a lot of people. It really does. So we're going to get into that today. I know me and Tim, we're in a keeper league together. We actually set a lot of our keepers tonight. That was, uh, you know, okay, I'll get you right into it. Oh, i got to make my keeper list. I have a draft on Monday. I have a draft on Tuesday. I have a draft on Saturday. I'm sure you guys have a bunch of drafts coming down. And we are now... Sitting here, look, it's the 22nd, and we're sitting here uh, about, uh, look, about three weeks away from our live show, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to come on out. It's been a couple of years because of COVID that I've been out there as well. So I want to get all your phone calls. I want to hear from you guys, 876-1340, 876-1340, and you can always write us at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. We love to interact with everybody. So, look, we're, we're going to do a little NFL today. We have to get into Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if you guys saw the little almost scuffle between the Yankees and Blue Jays today. That's a topic of conversation. San Diego still can't seem to score. I mean, they're winning. They're, they're barely winning, uh, but they're winning. So San Diego can't score. I want to get into that conversation. The Brewers seemingly are falling out of this thing. The, the St. Louis Cardinals all of a sudden look good. Can anyone stop the Mets with a healthy DeGrom, a healthy Scherzer? And, oh, by the way, don't overlook Chris Bassett, who now looks absolutely untouchable. So we have a lot to talk about. Let me welcome on Tim. Tim, are you with us here? Is this thing on, Tom? It is on. I can hear you barely, but I can hear you. We'll play around with this and see if we can get me uh, to where this works out. But... Interesting, interesting weekend coming up, Tommy. The, the countdown is on. Yeah, look, it really is on. And it's funny because we are in that week, right? We're in that week. TomBartonSports.com, I'm sending out my email. Hey, guys, it's it's college football week. It's not, it's not a matter of even sitting here and saying, all right, Tim, you know, we're getting close. No, no, no. We are in the week of college football. The NFL, I know it's three weeks away. It doesn't feel like it, right? I mean, it feels like we're getting some answers. We're getting some camp battles won. Like I mentioned, the fantasy leagues are all about ready to start drafting. But we're sitting here, guys. Saturday, we're going to have some games. We have a game in Dublin, Ireland, Northwestern, Nebraska. That highlights it. UNLV will have their first home game, and they're going to have it at Allegiant Stadium against Idaho State. Got that game going off. A decent game. Um, late at night between Vanderbilt and Hawaii. I know they're bad programs, but that could be a fun, a fun, exciting game. So that could be cool as well. 
Well, we're, we're sitting here, Tim. The next time we talk, the next time we talk to them after tonight, Tim, uh, we're going to have you want to be score to talk about. We're going to talk about Nebraska Northwestern. We're going to talk about a bunch of college games. College is on everyone's lips, but let's be honest. The world of sports revolves around the NFL, and the NFL is really steamrolling to, okay, here we go. We are ready for the season. Yeah, when we talk next Saturday night, we'll have well over a dozen games in the books leading into what they call uh, week 1A, Tom, because the following weekend, Labor Day weekend, everything happens. But we actually have games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday all next week including, like you said, UNLV at home against Idaho State. And we have we have probably the game of the day. And I think and I was gonna, it's actually a two-part question for you. Is First, your thoughts on the game of the day for me, at least. It's going to be on, uh, on Saturday when we see – well, actually, let me go back on this, Tom. When, when I think it's got to be Nebraska-Northwestern, Nebraska Tim, just because it's in Dublin. It's kind of cool – um, I think people are expecting big things from Nebraska this year. At least they better get big things kind of from them. I think that that's got to be the game of the day. Does does the – with all the talk of the NFL, Tommy, you know, even preseason where we're seeing – like tonight I watched uh, Baltimore and Arizona, and, and obviously if that was a regular season game, we'd be talking about Lamar versus Kyler. But all we saw tonight was the guy standing on the sidelines basically – but with all the talk of the NFL, do you think that the college football excitement has, has, has taken back a little bit? I think it always does. You know, I always believe that college football really tries really hard on that opening week to put non-conference games against non-conference games. But college football, and I've said this um, a lot, and people kind of get on me for being derogatory about it, but college football is the most regional, regional sport that there possibly is. People go baseball regional. No. You talk to a guy that goes, and I have. I have a friend that's a massive Alabama fan, huge Alabama fan, and he calls himself a huge college football fan. Could not name the starting quarterback for USC this year. Could not name, uh, you know, a, a running back for Penn State. It doesn't matter to him. He knows Alabama and the SEC, and that's it. Um, you see that happening a lot. You know, you do see the regional. So to me, college football always gets put on the back burner. Even if they try, even if they try to make these matchups, they always get put on the back burner until conference play starts. Then the NFL is already going. Uh, People have a couple of NFL games under their belt. And then conference play starts. And once we start getting into conference play, then people start really paying attention. I mean, look, while we're excited that college football is back, Georgia, Oregon, all right, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Okay, those are those are what the two games that anybody is really, I guess, focusing. I guess you could say Utah, Florida, if you really want to throw a third in there, even though Florida is unranked. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame will be huge, but does it really matter, Tim? Because if Ohio State loses that game, it doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. And I think that that really is why college football is so regional. They only care about their conferences. They only care about what, what their team is doing. And then when you kind of scope outside of that, if you get a big matchup like this, oh, man, two against five, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Ah, well, if either one of them lose, they can still kind of recover. So I really don't think college football starts until conference play really gets underway. Theoretically, you could have Texas beat Bama, Oregon beat Georgia, 
and Florida beat Utah and a little bit less with Utah, but definitely with Bama and Georgia, if they both lost or in two weeks, Tom, they could still play for the national championship in that game. They could play for the national championship. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, I think college football understand that they're starting to go more regional than they want to go. Um, so they are trying to expand their brand. They're trying to really open it up. That's why I think Nebraska Northwestern, look, I don't think anybody believes that Nebraska Northwestern is really going to, uh, you know, compete for a championship or, or whatnot. But Nebraska is a big name. They are playing in Dublin, which is kind of cool. They're going to be the mid-afternoon Saturday game on Fox. Okay, that's cool. And it is a conference game. It's one of the few conference games this week with conference against conference, Big Ten against Big Ten. So, I think that that's why that one kind of jumps out at me, even though I know everyone's going to be excited to watch Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Utah, Florida, and, and all these you know decent games. Yeah, okay, they could be decent, but none of them really matter because you're not in conference. Well, like we said, next Saturday night we'll be on air. In fact, that Hawaii Vandy game will be wrapping up as we go live with uh, a pretty big card for opening 1A week, let's put it that way. Tim, do you like anybody on that Saturday night? (laughs) Are you looking at anybody on the card? Are you taking any bet? I mean, Hawaii on the island getting a a touchdown, does that – remember, you know, Tommy Chang, I know you're a huge fan, new head coach there. Are are you liking that? Uh, Not enough to put any money on it right now. Uh, It's it's tough, Tom. You know, the first weeks are tough. I I like a little more in week two since there's more selection to deal with, but – Somebody asked me if I was going to bet on the Rebels Saturday. I'm like, why? What makes you think that that's a for sure thing? You know, it, it's crazy to me. So, oh, What about Nebraska-Northwestern? Is it shocking to you? I know you're not going to bet it. But is it shocking to you that Nebraska is a 13-point favorite? I, I think you it's a little large. Yeah. Northwestern's yeah. always got a good defense. At least that's, you know, what they kind of bring to the table. Game one, a lot of pressure on Nebraska this year. A lot of, I, I think he gets fired if they don't have a decent season. And I think everybody knows that. And they give it almost two touchdowns. By the way, it opened up at 12 and a half. It's up to 13 and a half in some spots. That might get to two touchdowns by kickoff. Everyone's going to be betting Nebraska. 12.30 start, weird body clock. I don't know if it's if it's 12.30 on the East Coast, what time is it in, in Dublin? Who knows, you know? Uh, but it's going to be a weird body clock, you know? So, I, I don't know. I think two touchdowns is a little rich. So, I'll tell you. Hold on. Wait, wait. So they are five hours ahead of East Coast time. Oh, okay. So no, it's not going to be a bad body clock, Tim. It'll be 5.30 at night there. I just think it's, you know, as bad as Northwestern was last year, Tom. And I think that's – you look at the, just in the time that Pat Fitzgerald's been the coach there, it's been almost 20 years. He doesn't – when he does have a bad season, he tends to rebound. He's just a, a really good coach. I think two touchdowns is a little bit too much for an opening game, uh, especially who's the home team here. Yeah, it's going to be Northwestern because they're in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, so if I had to, I'll take the points and uh, we'll go with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to bet that one. I, I do have a game that I absolutely love, by the way, um, for anybody that wants to sign up at TomBartonSports.com. Yeah, we are uh, getting ready to rock and roll here. And I will give you, if you sign up tonight, I'm going to give you for the for the 200 bucks. I'm going to give you from now until October 1st, if you mention this. But I do have a game I'm really on top of, Tim. I circled it for that Saturday, but it's not going to be Nebraska-Northwestern. Although I'm really intrigued to watch that game. I think it's kind of a cool watch. I'm not going to touch that. And I'm not touching UNLV. 
I kind of like Idaho State plus the points just because I'm getting a ton of points. Yeah. And really, what again, what's the basis of UNLV being such a huge favorite? What, based on what we saw last year, you can't you can't use it as your uh, your your data. You know, it doesn't make sense. No, I mean it's it's because <laughs> because people don't know Idaho State, right? I mean, right. it's just it's just the unknown. It's they're in a lower conference. It's they're not a good team. Um, uh, you know, Idaho State stinks. I, I mean, that's that's just the narrative that you're going to get from this. Um, they have a new coach, right? So you bring in a new coach. Okay. Look, I, I know a little bit about this Idaho State team. I follow the, the lower conferences. I know that they have a pretty decent offensive line. Right? I mean, that, that's what I know. Um, the Rebels, what, what can they do? Their offense is terrible. So, I mean, it is what it is. You, you look at this and you go, UNLV is going to win the game, but are they going to cover, right? I mean, are they going to be able to cover? They, they're going to have to score here. Idaho State's defense is bad. But I think Idaho State has some probably some decent, decent gain, you know, gains on them, and I think they're going to have some decent drives because uh, I do like that offensive line. Now, remember, last year UNLV lost in that FCS game, right? It's Eastern Washington. What I tell you guys, I loved Eastern Washington in that game. I absolutely loved them in that game. Um, I don't know. I think UNLV wins. Chances are they cover the double digits here, Tim. But I can't go near it because, again, you're banking on UNLV to take advantage of a bad defense. I don't know if they have the offense to do that. Yeah, it's not for, – for me, it's not as much as what I know about Idaho State is what I don't know about UNLV, and I don't know that they Here, – here's the thing, Tom, and we talk about it all the time. Just because you get a media badge from somewhere to, that allows you to go watch a game, all of a sudden you think you're a media expert. And especially in this city in Las Vegas – there's wannabe media guys. It's just the way it is, and they're experts about everything, Tom. And, oh, how they're going to break this game down for everybody out there. Nobody's breaking this game down unless you follow these two schools religiously. And even at that, it's still it's just a wild card when you look at it. So it's, for me, more of the unknown of what UNLV brings to the table this year rather than what Idaho State possesses. Because I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to pretend I do. But when you look at a double-digit um, spread – or a team coming off of how many wins? And, and the only reason is that because Idaho State is worse than them. So, yeah, they should win the game. They probably will cover the game, Tom. But really, what does that mean at this point? Because it's just a game that means nothing. Yeah, look, I, I've seen a couple of previews. Um, 41-13, 35 47-14. That's what people are expecting. I, I, I don't see it, man. You know, to me... 31-21 is very much in the cards. It's very much in the cards. I think UNLV probably does cover, though. I think they get their first win under their belt. Um, remember, last year I called Eastern Washington. I called that a loss. People flipped out. I do think that UNLV is going to be a better team this year. It may not show up mo mostly in the record book. Uh, but this should be a win. Get this win under your belt. I think it should be a pretty convincing win. You just can't get me to bet the 10.5. And, and, and by the way, speaking of media members, um, uh, you know, Tim, we take shots at media members here, and it's for good reason, <laughs> right? I mean, some guys, it's for good reason. Um, we know that they, they, they don't understand sports. They thought they could make a buck in this business by faking it. You get exposed pretty quickly. 
Tom, just so you know, if you wanted to attend Idaho State UNLV, you can get a ticket as low as $16 for that game on Saturday over at Allegiant Stadium. You know, uh, if I was in town, I'd take a shot. I'd go there, um, probably get a, get, get, get a beer, uh, sit down, and then leave. <laughs> I don't know if I can last a quarter, but uh, for 16 bucks, might as well. I want to see the new stadium, right? Yeah. We have the time. Let's kind of peruse this UNLV schedule, Tom, because I think, at least out here, the way things are presented, and again, there's very few of us they kind of call it like it is, and that's because we don't we're not associated in the good old boy network out here. So <clears throat> um, Marcus Arroyo, coach for UNLV, at this point, if you had to label him a grade from A to F, I mean he's borderline D, right? And that's only because he just hasn't there's not enough of uh, for him, he hasn't been here long enough to grade F yet. But I don't haven't seen, you know, oh, well, we did better than we did the year before. That's great. But, but when you're talking about a one or two game difference at this point, and this was a guy that's supposed to be an offensive genius, supposed to be a hell of a recruiter, right? Oh, this is the year, though, Tom. This is the year. Well, how many times do you keep saying that? And how many head coaches have we gone through in the last decade that had the same things were said about that, that person? I, I need to see for him to keep his job. If I was if I was the AD, you know, I would need to see. Not five wins, Tom. I need to see six and potentially a bowl game. That's the only way it works. I don't think that the experiment is working for UNLV and Marcus Arroyo. Yeah, look, every single year, and you could say this about the basketball program as well. You talk to the UNLV marks out there, as you would say, and you hear them saying, well, this is the year. You know, we've been progressing towards this. Here's, here's the year that it turns. And then it doesn't turn. And they go, oh, I told you that it wasn't the – no, no, no. We get it. You guys are backers, and that's perfectly fine. I'm in a position where I just don't think that the AD is doing them any favors, Tim. I mean, honestly, I, you said Marcus Oro is a D. You know, I give him a D as well. I think he's done, done a, a subpar job. But I don't think he got any favors with the scheduling that's being put in front of them, right? I mean, that, that is just it, – it's it's – I mean – really tough you look at outside of idaho state obviously you got to go out there and you got to play the conference that's given to you okay but this this program director decided athletic director decided to say we're going to notre dame we're going to play a real good north texas team and we're going to go to Cal. you know for a team that is trying to establish a new head coach i'm not saying give layups out there but give winnable games i don't think any of those games are going to be why look maybe maybe you get one out of at Cal um or North Texas. I don't think you're getting one at North Texas. I think you got to go to Cal. And that's a problem here. I, I I just I look at this team Tim, I look at this program, I look at the athletic director and they all keep saying next year. But I feel like like you said, it continues to be next year, next year and next year. I think when you look at his his stint so far, and they're like, well, you can't judge it off two years. Okay, I get it, Tom. He won zero games COVID season, right? They won two last year, so everybody's excited about a two-win differential. But, again, you talk about schedules. How bad is the Mountain West this year? That's that's the question. And I don't think they get a win out of those first three games. I don't think they win at Utah State in the conference opener either. That puts them at oh, uh, one and three at best, in my opinion, after four games. And that's beating Idaho State. 
Yeah, right. I, I'll give them Idaho State. I'll give them one out of Cal, North Texas. And, and I think that they, they have a chance to lose both. I'm giving them one win going into Utah State. And here we go again. I just don't think that this team wins on the road. I don't see them winning against Utah State on the road. I don't see San Jose State on the road. Notre Dame, San Diego State on the road. That Hawaii game is going to be the decider. And weird things happen on the island, Tim. So even if I give them two wins early, now I got to go find how many wins? Are they beating New Mexico, Air Force, Fresno State, and Nevada? Are they, are they sweeping the board of those four to get to the six wins, which seems to be the mark? Right? That seems to be the mark that everybody wants to get to. Bowl game. That's the conversation, right? So you, you're going to have to win every home game. They're not beating Fresno State at home. Okay? So if I'm being very, very, very nice, very nice here, they're going into the last week needing to win Fresno State at home at Hawaii and Nevada. You're not win- You're not sweeping the board there. Look, I think that there will be improvement. And I'm going to give them two wins, even though I don't really fully believe they're going to beat North Texas. I think North Texas's defense took leaps and bounds difference last year. But I, I understand this turnover and I understand a new coach. So I'll give it to them. I'll say they're two and one. Two and two after Utah State. I'll even give them the New Mexico win. Three and three. Air Force is going to be tough. I, I don't I don't think that they beat Air Force there. I got three and four. Notre Dame three and five. San Diego State three and six. Fresno State three and seven. Hawaii's probably three and eight. And they'll, they'll beat Nevada for four. You know, I have high watermark of five, Tim. Uh, and I you could you could twist my arm and get me to five. I'm okay. Get you get me to five. Twist my arm, get me to five. I think that they're more like a four-win team. But six, I, I just don't see the six, Tim. If they get to four, which would be a two-win improvement over last year, he, he'd be the next coming of Lou Holtz. You know, that, that's just the way it is out here. And it, it's an improvement. And improvement, you, you can't fire the guy, right? And not that they, I don't think they would anyways, Bar, unless they went over. He's not getting fired this year regardless. They're going to let it run out. So if he gets to four, which is double the wins again, so each year he's doubled his win total, he's going to look like, like I said, you know, the next big thing. So it, it is what it is. But when he was brought in, Tim, I asked, uh, which I often do, because in this town, we have been doing this for uh, like 12 years now, right? You've been doing this for 12 years. I've been doing it coming up on 12. In this town, Tim, it's always, what did you expect? That's the question I always ask. I asked it before time. What was your expectations, right? Was Dave Rice a good a, a good head coach? I don't know. What was your expectations, right? Was, was Sanchez a good head coach? I don't know. What's your expectations? Tell me what they are before judging. So when Arroyo was hired, I gave it out there. I asked and people responded. People responded on Twitter. People let us know in person, called up. I got text messages. I asked, what is your expectation? And what, did, what was their answer, Tim? 2022, you got to be in bowl contention. You got to, you got to be a bowl game, bowl team. Yep. Well, it's 2022, Tim. They're not making a bowl this year. So does does the goalpost move now? Is it now 20? Is it now four wins is fine this year as long as you make the bowl in 2023? What if he goes out there and wins five games next year? They don't make a bowl, but he improved. You can't fire him. Can't get rid of him. So I always ask, and I ask the UNLV fans, and I'll ask you again, guys, tonight. Send it over. Tweet it out at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports. What do you want from this team this year? What makes you happy? If you say a bowl game and he wins five games, you can't. Ha- you cannot be happy. If you say you want four wins, 
and he wins four wins, no matter how he gets there, then you got to be able to be okay with it. I think four win, this is a four win team. I think if he gets to five games, he did a good job this year. But I never expected this team to make a bowl game by this time. I never expected him to come in and make the massive changes. I just didn't expect it. And you could tell me, you know, COVID this. You could tell me, well, it's a setback here. You could tell me it's a new stadium. You tell, say whatever you want to say, Tim. When he's hired, I asked the UNLV fan base, what do you need for him to be successful? And the answer I got was 2022, got to be a bowl season. It's not going to be. But, Tom, these same experts last year said that they were a bowl team. They won two games. It, well, it just it kills me. I, so, yeah. I under cash that really nicely, by the way. I yes. like that under ticket. Please, please do reach out to us at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. Tell us what is acceptable for the UNLV football team uh, wins wise. And don't be a homer about it. Be, be real. If four is the acceptable number, then that's fine because I have them at four wins as well, Tom. If you say well, five. And, 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 and Tim, listen. The odds makers agree with us. It's over under is the, the the total. Total set at four and a half. Right? I mean that that's the total. It's set at four and a half. So, like I just said, I see him as a four win team. You can get me to five, and I'm not arguing. That's what they're seeing them. If you guys like if if you like them to be a bowl team, pound that over. Four wins, twist us to five, no way on six. And if it's three, we have problems. That's just the way you have to look at it. Either way, he's back for another year. So we'll be talking about Marcus Arroyo for the 2023 season, Tom. But we're, we're at I four. I think we're going to know right away, though, Tim. Tim, I think we're going to know right away. If they if they go one and two out of the first three weeks, Arroyo is going to have a miserable year. If they go three and oh, which, look, it's not completely out of the question that they go on the road to beat Cal and beat North Texas. I, I think I don't see it. But if they go three and oh, Tim, you know, he's going to get to five wins. Here's the problem. If they get to 3-0 and and then still don't make a bowl game, is that a disappointment, Tim? They go to 3-0, and still win five games. Is that a disappointment? Because to me, it's not. Because I never expected them to win, you know, make a bowl team. I think five wins this year is a good season for UNLV. If they started 3-0 and and finished five and six, that's okay? Yeah, yes. Just because I I have to look at the full product. It doesn't matter how you get there. It it doesn't. To me, this does not matter how you get there. Because look at the schedule. Look. I mean, are we in agreement? There's They have no chance against Utah State, San Jose State, Notre Dame, San Diego State on the road, right? I tend to agree, yes. Okay. So – that only leaves a handful of winnable games. They're not beating Fresno State, right? I mean, are we in agreement there? I don't think they win, no. Okay. So that leaves New Mexico, Air Force at home, Hawaii, and Nevada. So Nevada, Air Force, New Mexico, and Hawaii on the road. That leaves four winnable games. They go two and two against those four possible winnable games. You can't say it's a bad year. And I really, I think they're going to struggle with Air Force more than people give them credit for. And I just don't see them going to the island, having an easy time. Yeah, I, that's that's me. I think by that time, Chang will have things working in Hawaii where that'll be a, a rough situation. I kind of have 
and again, it's where the games are played. So where where is the mindset of the team at that time that they play Nevada and Hawaii at the end of the season? If the season's already gone south for them, because I kind of group UNLV, Nevada, Hawaii, all in that same uh, pod, Tommy, where it's a it's a coin flip for me. But on the road at Hawaii, that's that's always going to be tough. And yeah, the the uh, Cannon game means a lot, but still, what's the mindset at that point? I think New Mexico is a win, but I don't. I think Air Force is a loss. Yeah, I like Air Force uh, quite a bit this year. They actually had, um, you know, three losses, six points or less. I, it, it, listen, their win total in Vegas, guys, is eight, eight and a half. Air Force is supposed to be a good team this year. So, I mean, that's the stretch right there, Tim. At San Jose State, loss. Air Force, loss. At Notre Dame, loss. San Diego State, loss. Fresno State, loss. You lose in five games in, in a row in the middle of the season. So you could start three and zero. You could start four and one, and you're going to lose five games in a row. And then where does the mindset go at that point? Doesn't matter how you, how you start at that, you know. Right. So if they're four and one going into Hawaii, Nevada, which what I, is what I was saying, they got to sweep the board to make a bowl game. Do you think that they're going to be? Do you think after losing five games in a row, which means they would not have won a game from September 30th? Do you think that on November 19th? They haven't won a game in about 50 days. They're going to be prepared mentally to go to Hawaii and win that game on the road in Hawaii. I mean, come on. No, I don't give the, I don't give the Cal game a win either. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a home game for Cal. I, I don't think that's in it by, by any stretch of the imagination. And they also looking at strength of schedule, you know, Cal, I think that's a loss and in North Texas. We'll see, you know, it's really tough. They could be Tommy. If they lose the first game, forget about it. We're, we'll go back years and take a look at how the direction is going to go at that point. But we give them the win. I got them one and three after Utah State, and that's that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah, and, and like I said, I could see two and two, and I think two and two would would be very happy for everybody. I still think North Texas can win that game. I'm very convinced Air Force wins that game. The, to me, the entire season comes down to, can you beat New Mexico at home? Can you beat Hawaii and Nevada? That's it. To me, the season comes down to those three games. New Mexico at home before your rigorous stretch of five straight games where you're just not going to win. And, and really, the season comes down to, at Hawaii, coming back home against Nevada. And your season really might come down to going to Hawaii and winning that game. I mean, that's... And I'm not even saying a bowl season, guys. I mean, you're going, you might have you know, two wins, three wins tops going into Hawaii. You go, okay, well, if we win the last two, we have a decent season with five wins. We lose those last two, it's a three-win season. And we, we, we're sitting back and we haven't won, you know, since September. That could very well be the likelihood. The way that this schedule is built, they have five games. They have a 50-day stretch where they're just not going to win a game. That takes its toll on these kids. Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Super Sunday night. When we come back from the timeout, we'll move over to the professional side, talk a little NFL. Preseason week two in the books, one more to go, and then the regular season begins on September the 8th. Thursday night football, Rams, Bills, looking forward to that and much more. Hang on, we'll be back after a few short commercial sponsors. Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, 
and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Sports with Tim Mongolsby and Tom Barton. We're back at it on a Super Sunday night. Tim Mongolsby, Tom Barton, Ryan with you here on Heat Wave Sports. Let's take a look at the schedule coming up. Both shows next weekend, the 27th and the 28th. We'll actually kick off our NFL previews next Sunday night. Then again, Tom, both shows on the 3rd and 4th. Leading into our live show Saturday night, September the 10th, over at Cabo Wabo on the Las Vegas Strip. And Tommy Barton will be in Las Vegas for that show. How about that? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped up. I, I, uh, I'm I ready to go. I'm, I'm kind of getting all my stuff ready, getting everything together. I'm like, oh, man, it's been a while. It, it, it all kind of falls back into it, though, Tim. You know, you kind of it's kind of like old hat now all of a sudden. Yeah, it's a normal routine, except for now, if you get sick, you have COVID. It's not even an issue of well, it's a cold or a flu. You just have COVID. So. They don't They don't even make you, like, miss time from work or anything anymore. <laughs> they definitely don't pay you for missed time from work. So, <laughs> so t- what what plans have you, have you made out so far, Tom? Where, where are you staying for this trip? Do we know yet? So, yeah, I'm staying in uh, – I'm I'm a Rio guy, you know. I I used to be, but I've heard some not so positive reviews on the Rio recently. Um, I wanted to I wanted to stay um, at the Superbook and down there, but it, they didn't really have anything good. So I'm staying down in the Four Corners, uh, which I enjoy the walking distance down there from Mandalay, and then I could shoot over to MGM. I could shoot over to Excalibur, New York, New York. Tropicana, like I, I enjoy being able to walk around. So I stayed down there. You know, Mandalay is, is one of my favorite casinos. So I'm over there. I'm coming in Wednesday night, but I won't land until actually like Thursday morning. I land after midnight and then I'll be leaving Monday afternoon. Okay. I wanted full. to, you know, I wanted to get in town so I could watch that Thursday night game. I thought it, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, it's just a game that I really want to watch. I mean, you got, you know, I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. Um, I think it's going to be maybe the game of the week. And I'm like, I really just got, I, I don't think I'm going to bet on it, but I really kind of want to watch it. And I have less than zero interest in watching uh, Denver against Seattle. And I don't think I'm going to be making a bet on that game, but I do land right when the game's kind of kicking off. So I would still be able to catch both of them. So I was able to figure out a flight that I'm going to be in Vegas for the Thursday night, but back home and able to watch the Monday night game. Yeah, the Thursday night game, much, much more attractive to watch than what the Monday nighter will be. And this year, there's only one Monday night game, Tom. So it's not even – if you stayed the extra day, you'd say, well, I get the double header on Monday. It's not that way. And uh, who knows Who knows with Denver and Seattle, right? Yeah, and I and I owe quite a few people in that town some, some dinners, Tim, and a couple of drinks. So I'm like, you know what? I better come out the day early, get all that over and done with, because I don't want to you know turn around to them and be like, 
Ah, yeah, I got the show. Can't have a drink tonight. Got the show. Can't can't buy you dinner tonight. You know, I don't want to do that. So I got I got a couple of people I have to take care of there. Um, you know, friends that I want to see and whatnot. I know you're not coming back until Friday, so it gives me all day Thursday to kind of sit around, grab lunch with somebody, grab dinner, grab some drinks, and kind of hang out uh, before you come to town. Come back to town, I should say, on Friday. Yes. Well, we are now two weeks in the books for NFL preseason. One more week, so that'll be uh, preseason week three. And then, like you said, week one starts Thursday night, September the 8th. So after two weeks, now we've seen some of the stars play a little bit. We saw Josh Allen in uh, a lot, a decent amount yesterday. What do you take away from week two other than – well, actually, I guess that's the question. What do you take away after week two? Now, it's a shortened preseason – does that mean anything to you? No. No, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, this is just get out healthy. Um, we are going to see some position battles. We're going to see some some guys sit down, and we're going to see some guys turn around and, and have that kind of re- just ridiculous, um, you know, helium. Oh, this guy's in the best shape of his life garbage. I, we're going to have that. Tip, right? I mean, we know that. It, it's going to be out there. It's going to be in a position where we have the – the overreactions, as we like to say, there's not a lot that I'm taking out of week two other than the key position battles. I knew, you knew, we talked about it. I interviewed somebody on our uh, sports garden show last weekend, actually talking uh, about, listen, why do they just not hand the ball to Baker Mayfield and say, it's your job. We knew he was going to win it. So that's a key position battle. Yeah. He's basically won, right. I mean, I look at that. I look at the Javante Williams situation in Denver and everybody was nervous about a split situation there. Well, Melvin Gordon came out and said, we want Javante to be the guy, the bell cow back. All right, well, he's your competition. He's saying that. I think he's just echoing what the coaches want him to say. That makes me feel good. Zach Wilson going down just a week after they lose their offensive lineman for the entire year. People started to think maybe the New York Jets were a team that could be a thorn in people's sides. Yeah, that jumped out at me. And Tim, something that jumped out at me, and I'm trying to calm down. I, I'm like, I have to talk to Tim about this on the air. I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to take a breath. I'm trying to take a step back. But the Patriots are worrying me big time. Now, I'm not a Patriots fan, but I've always been in the belief, and especially since I've been on the air with you, me and you both consistently say time and time again, Follow Bill Belichick. He knows what he's doing. He'll be okay. He knows what he's doing. Tim, they have not looked good. They have not looked good at all. Their defense is good, sure. They can't push the ball downfield. I like their the, the idea that they have Stevenson and Harris, but Stevenson is clearly the better running back, and they're splitting time there. You have a situation where John U. Smith was not utilized correctly last year, even though Hunter Henry caught nine touchdowns. He was a guy that you, you scratch your head and you go, you could get more out of him. Devontae Parker's the number one. The offensive line doesn't look good. We don't know who's calling plays in New England. He just seems to be going against the grain. And maybe it's Bill Belichick's genius. But maybe he's getting a little too into his own ego. We're in a generation where every single coach that is successful seemingly comes from the offensive side. I'm a defensive guy. 
but it seemingly comes from the offensive side. Offensive playing. Let's speed it up. Let's invest in quarterbacks. Andy Reid and, and Sean McVay and all this. And Bill Belichick is saying, eh, it doesn't even matter who about offense. It doesn't even matter who calls the plays. Who cares who calls the plays? That's a weird situation to me. For all of this training camp, the one thing that I may be overreacting to is I don't trust Belichick like I used to. And maybe that's what he wants, right, Tom? I, I supposedly it's a it's a new offense, and and you said it. Who's calling the plays doesn't matter. Who's calling the plays, according to, to Billy? We, you know, I, I want to say it's the genius of him that he just never reveals his cards, Tom, and and that once the season starts, it'll be Patriot way. I mean, Mac Jones looked good in the little bit of time he he was in there yesterday that I watched, but um. Really but Tim, can we come to the consensus that can we come to the consensus <clears throat> that he was wrong on Brady? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, he was wrong no, on Brady. Right. We were and all he let his ego. He let his ego get in the way. This could be another situation. How do they not have an offensive play caller? How do you not have an offensive coach right now? And it's not like Belichick's going to go. It's not like they're looking for an offensive coach because Belichick's saying I'll do it. No, no, no. He just doesn't think that it's necessary to have an offensive coach. That that that's weird. That's weird, Tim. I can't get past that. <laughs> it, maybe it's just because of the guys that are there. He doesn't want to put one over the other. I, I'm not sure. To tell you the truth, I like. I mean, you know, Matt Patricia at, winning the job doesn't make me feel. Does Matt, Matt Does Matt Patricia winning the job make you feel good? No. I mean, he lost <laughs> McDaniel's and Brady in like a two year span. <laughs> I don't care if you are a genius that can basically walk on water, right? <clears throat> you're losing McDaniels and you're losing Brady in a two-year span. That's got to take a toll. I think so. And I think as he gets older, eventually it's going to run out on, on Belichick as well. But when you look at the team, right, I know they're they're struggling in through two games and offensively, but it's not like the star power is out there the whole game, Tom. So when you look at the Harrison, Harrison-Stevenson tandem – Receiving-wise, uh, Devontae, Myers, Bourne. There, there's plenty of weapons. And I think Mac Jones, I like the kid. I think he's just going to get better and better. So Here's I, the I'm problem. Not, though, I'm not jumping off the bridge yet. Here's the problem with the Patriots, though, <clears throat> is that, that we're not dealing with the superior Patriots, and they're still going through the motions of that. If you want to talk about the New England Patriots being a decent team this year, that's different. Okay, I think many people were talking about them potentially being a playoff team. And you start to look at the big boys. They are worlds behind the Buffalo Bills. They're not winning the division. They're worlds behind the Bills. Okay, they are worlds behind, you know, Allen and what they have going on there. And we also know that Belichick loves to open the season and the first four weeks, he self-admitted, first four weeks is kind of a testing ground. Well, you could do that when you were winning 11, 12, 13 games every year. Here's the problem, Tim. First four games of the season, this team could be 0-4. At Miami, at Pittsburgh, Baltimore, at Green Bay. It's very possible that when they're tinkering around and putzing around and they don't have an offensive coordinator and Belichick's doing the same old 0-4, uh, I mean, the same old thing in the first four games, they could be 0-4. And I don't think that they recover from that. I know they have Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, New York, Jets after that, so they could you know rattle off four straight wins. Uh, but their schedule 
They still have Buffalo in the second half. They still have to go to Vegas. Still have to take on the Bengals. Still have to go to Arizona. Just from a still have to go to Minnesota. Just from a betting perspective, Tim. If I look at the rest of the schedule, okay, outside of those first four games, they'll be favored against Detroit, against Cleveland in Cleveland. Okay, they'll be maybe a one point favorite there. Favorite against the Bears. Favorite against uh, the the Jets. Underdog against the Patriots, right? Under uh, favored by the Jets. So that's five and one. Underdog against Minnesota, five and two. Underdog against Buffalo, five and three. Underdog against Arizona, five and four. Underdog against the Raiders, five and five. Uh, underdog against the, uh, the Bengals. And then underdogs against Buffalo. So they're a 500 team after the first four games. After the first four games, they're, they're about a 500 team. I know they can't be because we got the extra week, but they're about a 500 team. They've got to win at least one and probably two of those games to make the playoffs, Tim. They can't go 0-4. I don't even think they could go 1-3. and And that is when Belichick kind of tinkers around. That's my concern. Yeah, I, I understand. I just you know, never thought Oh, it's, it's, it's training camp. Who cares? Preseason, who cares? It's Brady. It's Belichick. It's McDaniels. They're just going to roll up 13 wins anyway. Oh, if they get off to a slow start, it'll only be a 12-win season. I mean, we used to be able to say that. Can't say that anymore. One win can swing this entire thing. One loss against Pittsburgh, who might be battling for a wild card. One loss against the Miami Dolphins, who might be battling uh, for a wild card. All of a sudden, that swings the momentum. One loss against the Vegas Raiders, right, Uh, on December 18th in Vegas. Maybe that is the deciding game. I have been doing my predictions. I've been getting them ready. We're not doing them tonight, but I've been getting them ready. And I consistently try to put the Patriots into the playoffs and I'm kind of between them and another team, and I'm right back and forth. And all this nonsense that I've seen in the preseason just tells me maybe they're going to be left on the outside. The true question is going to be Mac Jones' development without McDaniels there. Last year, Tom, rookie quarterback starting the season, and they made the playoffs. We didn't think that either. So we'll have to see what happens this year. It's a tougher schedule, though. There's no doubt about that. The schedule is tougher this year. And the second half schedule – you went through it. You get you you know it, it starts off bad. That stretch between Minnesota and Cincinnati, they could lose every one of those games. And yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, and guess what? Miami at home isn't a layup, and at Buffalo the last week of the season. I mean, they, they could they could end the year, Tim, losing seven straight games. Right. Will it happen? Most likely not. But yes, it's it's definite possibility. What is the one thing for you that preseason has kind of, uh, you know, jumped up and made you take notice about? I think so far for me, it's more that is in my mind, is preseason even really necessary anymore? Yes, we saw some of the stars play this weekend. But, like, is Lamar Jackson going to play at all this preseason, Tom? There's no need for him to play next week, you know. Is Kyler Murray going to play? There's no need. This would have been the week to play him. So, for me, it's more about – Getting, like you said, getting healthy and just making sure you guys get there for week one. We know what happened to the Ravens last year. Eight and one started, lost every game after that. Lamar got hurt. They lost every game after that. They didn't make the playoffs. So get them healthy. It's a long season and uh, the preseason for me. And, and if you want to get into, right, Tommy, like you said, the, these camp battles for positions on the team, that's great, but there's no superstars winning camp battles in the preseason anymore. What's your thoughts on uh, Odell Beckham, Tim? Um, Beckham basically said he wants to come to the Rams. The Rams basically said, go get healthy and we'll, we'll get you. 
And now we see wide receivers all over the league getting injured. Wide receivers all over the place, you know, going down, getting injured, being carted off, not looking good. Uh, is it still a one-team race, or does Odell go, wait a minute, I could get a little bidding more going here? I think it would be uh, stupid of him not to see how much he can make out there on the market, Tom. But for him, coming off of what happened last season and the way it ended for him, I think why not go back there where, where you know, um, they, they want him. You know, that's the thing. How could you not want him in there? So I would assume he ends up with the Rams, but hey, if he can get suitors, where's the money going to go? That's the question. That's what I was going to say. I mean, call me crazy, but Odell seems like a guy that will chase the money. He's got the ring. You know, why uh, Why do anything but, but chase the money right now? I would not be shocked, especially bringing on Allen Robinson. I wouldn't be shocked if he winds up in a weird situation as well if all of a sudden we turn around and we wake up and Odell's in, in, in a different spot. Um, real quick, I know we're up against a break here, Tim. What about Zach Wilson? Uh, they're saying maybe he's coming back for week one. I'm saying why. Why are you rushing this guy back? You lost your offensive lineman. The Jets are a mess. They, they again, just are the Jets uh, with the bad luck and everything else. You weren't making the playoffs anyway. They were minus 400 to finish dead last in that division. So people are, are loving that their failures are going to continue. I, I hold Zach Wilson out as long as I possibly can if I'm the Jets. Yeah, I think that's more of solid, just pomp and circumstance there, Tom. He's not playing week one, and, and you're right. Why would he? Why should he? If he's hurt, let him get healthy. There's no chance. In, or you don't want to risk him being out for a long stretch of time because, um, well, me and you are on the same page. They're not winning. What are they going to get? Six wins at best, Tom? Six at best. So rest them up, get them healthy. There's, they're not winning week one anyway, so it doesn't matter, right, Tom? We're in a two-quarterback league in about a week here, Tim. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you looking at Joe Flacco? He might be my surprise at the draft, the way he's played this preseason, Tom. Everybody he looks loves good, him. right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be drafted in early. I promise you that. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> what? What is? You know, I was just real quick on Beckham. I was thinking, is Beckham that guy now that he'll just? Uh, we see it more in the NBA with the super old or older superstars that kind of just clutch on to win rings at this point. Is he a guy that you could see signing with Kansas City or Buffalo as as a secondary option on a team just because he knows they're going to be in the playoffs? Kansas City is the team that I thought, Tim. That's exactly who I was thinking of when I proposed that question. That, you know, Sky Moore looks good. Uh, Juju's okay, but you throw an Odell in that team. Yeah, that starts to make a little bit of sense, right? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it chasing a ring because he's already got one, but absolutely chasing some stature. He could very well become that. And let's be honest, Odell's always been an NBA kind of guy anyway, right? I mean, Odell's always sort of been that NBA mindset where – he, he's more flamboyant than he is production, and that's most NBA players out there. So, yeah, it would not shock me. Wouldn't shock me to see him land up there. Um, the Bears desperately need wide receivers. They've lost two in camp, but I don't think he goes to Chicago. The other one, the other place I keep saying is Green Bay. Odell goes in and plays with Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't that really boost Odell's kind of numbers, stats, 
it, it, it improves his stature for if he takes a one-year deal for where he could go next year. It helps Aaron Rodgers out. Green Bay makes a lot of sense too. I keep I keep thinking Buffalo, though, right? I, you know, you have Diggs. Gabriel Davis is solid. Would you put Beckham in there with them? You know, I think that it's a pretty, pretty solid threesome there if you if you match them up there. And it's not like Buffalo is not scared to spend the money there, Tom. And then he goes back-to-back -back Super Bowls and uh, gets to yeah. say, hey, I delivered back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Yeah, he, he's the reason why, right? That's right. Yeah. So down. Or Dallas. The other, the other team I was thinking was Dallas because it kind of just – the flamboyant part of it suits him well. Dallas makes a ton of sense. Dallas, Dallas has been rumored for a while now. But my whole thing with Dallas is that they haven't pulled the trigger. You know, why haven't you pulled the trigger? If you – if you're Dallas, why would you not have done this? You know, I think Dallas is trying to get by until their guys kind of get back and get healthy. Um, yeah, for me, look, if you're Dallas, you should have already pulled the trigger. It makes sense. It's a good fit. I mean, other than that, Tom, I think we're at that part where next week, yeah, there'll be football on, but really it's just a uh, – the order it's the it's the appetizer to the main course which is coming up september the 8th and what a game that's going to be yeah it i am pumped up for that game i really am i i said it's probably going to be the game of the week they've been doing a real good job of giving us a really good game you know that first game and it, it's good for for everybody it's good for betting it's good for fantasy it's good for watching ability it, it's good for everything um I do think that there is a little bit of this should have been the Super Bowl last year. I do think that Buffalo has a little bit to prove because, hey, you know what? We deserve to be there. We got robbed, all of that. They are the team to beat this year. But don't you feel like the Rams are getting a little disrespected here? Don't you feel like the you – know, look, I'm not a Rams guy, Tim, but don't you feel the Rams are getting disrespected? They're catching points at home game one – I know it's against this dynamic Buffalo team, but I think that the Rams are going to take this a little personal. How how are we, the underdogs in our own building, coming off of a Super Bowl where we really didn't lose anybody? No, I agree. I agree. Just many, many, many of the question marks, storylines heading into week one of the NFL. Coming up in hour two, Tommy, we're going to go back to the diamond. A lot of baseball going on and, of course, I want to get your thoughts on the New York Yankees on the other side of this timeout at C-Web Sports. You're on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340. It's just strange. Grown men wearing jerseys with another man's name on it? Like, are you in jail? Are you his bitch? It's just... Right. Kind of like that one? That's different because it's in a frame. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. And Ryan will be here on a Sunday night, Super Sunday night, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Before we jump over to baseball, Tommy wanted to bring up a uh, – it was a discussion point well into the offseason. seemed like um, we were all trying to figure out where, where this was going to go for how many games missed, Tom. But we, we do now know Deshaun Watson will miss 11 games to start the year. Yeah, he got a plea bargain. As we said, the NFL was going for the jugular. The NFL wanted a year, and um, they they got 11 games. That effectively puts a complete just disaster on the Cleveland organization. Okay, good. It 
definitely hits Deshaun Watson. I will never say it's enough. I will never say it's enough games, Tim. But I was in the position of thinking that the NFL was going to go soft. We were going to all be disappointed. He was going to get like, and I said, originally I said six to eight games. The fact that they're at 11, look, I think he needed to be suspended for the year. I think he needed that. I think the NFL needed that. But short of that, I think 11 games is a pretty powerful statement. I, I, I like that the NFL was able to get where it really does impact the season. You know, six games, we just talked about it. Belichick, you know, could go 0-4 and, and he's going to try to climb back in. Six games, you, you can still get in. We could have been watching Deshaun Watson in the playoffs. And that's what the NFL cannot have this year. They cannot have Deshaun Watson starting playoff games. They you just can't have it, right? So I think that this impacted the season enough where, okay, it's it's a solid, solid suspension. I still think it should have been a year or more. I, I was fine with that. But I like the 11. I, I like that they finally at least almost doubled the original number. From Deshaun's side of things, listen, the guy hasn't played football in a long time. When he was out there, he was good, but he wasn't a winner. Let's not go, go out here and call this guy a winner. You know, the highest paid contract, the people are, are talking about him as if he, you know, was Tom Brady. I mean, people are talking about him as if he's Lamar Jackson, which he wasn't. Uh, Josh Allen, which he was I mean, where was Deshaun Watson even when he was healthy? I'm not sure if he was ever really a surefire top 10 quarterback. I really don't know about that. The, the numbers say that he wasn't. I think that he's, you know, in the conversation, sure. And if I really did it, I'd probably find him at like eight, nine. But we're talking about him as if he's this giant difference maker. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be amazing. No, no, I don't think so. I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a lot of rust when he comes back. I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a hard time integrating into an offense that is a run-first offense. He can't be with the team. So I think that Deshaun Watson's not going to be with the team is going to be a problem. When they say 11-game suspension, Tim, um, I think it it really equates more into like a 14-game suspension just because by the time he gets kind of acclimated back and rolling and getting back into things, that's where I'm looking at it. I will say this, though. With all the compliments I kind of just gave them, what the hell is the NFL doing? His first game backed him is in Houston, in front of the accusers where this happened. Are you what? What is wrong with people? Yeah, that's one of the things I say all the time when we're talking about these guys that abuse women or 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 you know accost women or sexually whatever. Okay, I'm always like, think about the woman that has to sit home that day. Read the newspaper. See that he's coming back. Why? Why do it in Houston? Give him one game less. Do it at home against Tampa. Give him one game more. Do it against Cincinnati. Um, yeah. But from a football perspective, Tim, he comes back against Houston. Okay, he'll probably win that game just because the Houston's so bad and um, you know Cleveland could just run all over them. They're not beating Cincinnati in Cincinnati the next week. Not with him being the way that he is. They're not beating Baltimore even at home. Not with him kind of working back. I don't know if they beat New Orleans. And then you got to go on the road against Washington and Pittsburgh and those defenses. It would be wonderful. Deshaun Watson came back, came back, or, you know, after that, that, you know, 12 games suspended, well, 11 games suspension comes back in into that week. And you sit back and you go, he didn't win another game this year. That would be fantastic. But I will tell you this, there is no Deshaun getting them back, crawling them into the playoffs. If they're not in playoff position, when Deshaun comes back, He's not suddenly miraculously going to turn around 
and take this team the last, you know, whatever, six games and go five and one. That's not happening. Can he go three and three? Sure, but they had better be in playoff position. I would love to see, and I already know the answer to this, Tom, but I would love to see Cleveland do the right thing and just sit them the rest of the year. But we already know. It's about money. It's about, oh, where, where's Cleveland going to be after after 11 weeks in the season? They could use – it's all business and economics, and it's unfortunate. But you're right. The NFL could have done a lot better with the first game. And if I was if I was Cleveland, if you don't want to sit him the rest of the year, Tom, if I was Cleveland, I would sit him that game. Bring him back in week, in th- week 13. Yeah. I, I mean, is there a single human being – that will be rooting for Houston in that game outside of Houston. I'm sorry, uh, I'm uh, the Browns outside of uh, Cleveland. Everybody's going to be in Houston Texans. I'll pull out my 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 car jersey. I do have a Texans car jersey. I'll pull that out to wear. I mean, we're all going to be Houston fans, right? I would love to see him get back and just take shot after shot after shot. And I'll tell you what, the entire Houston's you know defense, all their wives and sisters and mothers and daughters should kiss them goodbye right before they leave and be like, hit him for me, honey. <laughs> right? I mean, it, I would love to see him just get absolutely destroyed that day and actually lose in front of those Houston fans. Now that would be a great story. Like you said, it's Cleveland being Cleveland. They're, them and the, the Jets, just the two worst NFL franchises as far as decision-making from top to bottom and then just terrible, terrible. That we have to deal with this, but Tim, hey. I don't, I don't root for injuries often. But how great would it be to see Sean Watson go down for the year in the first quarter against Houston? Maybe with a with a wrist injury, Tim. How about a broken wrist for out for the year? What was the original ruling? Six games. Yes, yeah, six games. So how did that even happen? Well, because uh, Goodell has the uh, the final say, you know. Um, so they're able to, to do whatever they <laughs> whatever they want. And they were pushing. All I kept hearing is that they kept pushing and they kept pushing and they kept pushing um, that they wanted a year. And I didn't believe it, you know, but I kept hearing about it. They, they're going to push for a year. They're going to push for a year. They're going to push for a year. So basically they said to Deshaun, look, we, we, we want the juggle. We're going for a year. But let's talk. And they sat down and they kind of came to this negotiation is really what it was, including a $5 million fine, which is a slap on the wrist. Um, but yeah, it's a $5 million fine. And okay. Overall, he's actually going to lose about 5.69 million, which is nothing because he signed a $230 million contract. Yeah. He's getting paid 40 million a year, right? And that's the thing. I mean, if I were them, you know, I would have, I would have, just negotiate a little bit differently. All right, you're gonna be you're gonna be out for the year. Um, oh, okay. You want eleven games? Sure, eleven games. We want fifty million. You know, and you're gonna give it to the victims. You know, kind of something like that. Well, but don't let this guy five million. I, I mean, five million dollars. He, he's buying his his fourth house with five million dollars. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, Tom, remember he's not guilty. So. Well, yeah. I mean, that was one of the worst things is watching him at the podium. And his absolute no remorse. Him saying, yeah, you know, I guess it triggered some people what I did. What? And then a reporter asked him, you know, do you expect more allegations to come? And, and you know, they were asking, okay, do you, you know, are you going to do this again? 
And he goes, oh, you never can tell. What? What? Yeah. Now, afterwards, you know, his people say, well, he thought you meant just, will somebody come out of the woodwork? Well, still, wouldn't you be adamant? Wouldn't you be pounding the desk and be like, absolutely nothing else is happening? I didn't do it. No, 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 no. There's no remorse with this man. None. I didn't. I'll tell you what. I followed him in Clemson. I was a fan. You know that, Tim. I was a huge yeah. fan of John Watson. I was this close to buying a jersey, to be honest with you. I followed him through Clemson. I liked him. I thought he was a good character guy. I really did. But the, you see the almost the maniacal no remorse on his face. It's it's crazy. He literally apologized for nothing. He apologized and then said he didn't do anything. Right. Like within the same sentence, actually. <laughs> I apologize, but I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So what are you apologizing for then? Yeah. yeah, you know, I've I've had fights with my wife like that, Tim. Where I'm like, I'm like, wait, you said you didn't do anything wrong. Okay, well, I'm sorry. But no, 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 no. Are you sorry that you you did something or you did not do it? And you're so wait, what are we talking about? Yeah, that's the same thing with Deshaun here. I know you want to touch on Pittsburgh's quarterback situation as well, Tom. Yeah, look, I, I wanted to have a conversation about this because I, I've spoken to people in Pittsburgh. You know that I, I have close relations with a lot of ex-Steelers and uh, a lot of the media members there. And all I've heard for a couple of weeks here is that, let's just be honest, Kenny Pickett was not really performing well. Now, Mr. Trubisky wasn't either. And there was a lot of people turning around saying, listen, neither one of these guys look like a starter right now, even though they're going to be. And Pickett was number three on the depth chart for much of the time. But more that I, I see him, and the more I see him in game action, and it's not just me, it's a consensus around Pittsburgh, is that, Tim, maybe he's just a gamer. Because he looked real impressive every time I've seen him in the preseason here. When they did have the 7-on-7 seven seven, you know, uh, competition, he stepped his game up. And all the reports I got was, oh, he's missing throws in practice, doesn't look too crisp. But when they put him in quote-unquote game mode, even in practice, even against his own team, that's when he always stepped up and he's kind of a playmaker. And it reminded me of the way that people used to talk about Favre. You know, Favre was a, a bad practice player. That's what they said all the time. But look at what he did on the field when he got onto it. I'm not comparing Pickett to Favre. But what I'm saying is that I think that people have the expectation about Pittsburgh, especially in Vegas with the numbers that they set, seven and a half is their total. I know you could have grabbed it at seven in the beginning of the summer for wins with Mike Tomlin, who has never been an under 500 guy. They still have a dominating top five defense, a great number one running back. They have good receivers in Johnson, and this kid Pickens look good. Fryer Muth looks good. It's all about the quarterback. And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, look, if Trubinsky can just hold court, I think they could be a borderline playoff team. They'd be a 500 team in a 16-game season. I'd say they're 8-8, eight eight, right? Uh, so they're, they're a 7-8 win team with Trubinsky doing just what I know Trubinsky can do. But if Kenny Pickens becomes that guy, Kenny Pickett becomes that guy, Tim, and he's kind of elevated to the point that we've watched him last year, right? And you have a guy like a George Pickens turn around and become that secondary receiver to Deontay Johnson. And Friar Moose steps up one more, one more year. And you look at Harris stepping up once again, and the defense – Tim, this is all of a sudden becoming a Pittsburgh team where I can see big things for them if Pickett looks as good as the eye test is. 
So I did throw out a call and I asked a couple of people, you know, in the Pittsburgh, I said, what do you guys think about that? He said, you know, the, he is becoming a folk hero. When he took the field, they were chanting Kenny, Kenny. They were chanting his name. He's the kind of guy that could come in and you look at a Steelers schedule that could come in and give a shot to the Steelers team. You know I like Trubinsky, right? And I think Trubinsky could be fine. But let's look at the Steelers schedule because it is it is brutal. But there are entry points for Kenny Pickett. They start off at Cincinnati, New England, and then boom. If he doesn't perform well, Trubinsky, the first two weeks, you could go to Cleveland and the Jets back-to-back. But then you got Buffalo and Tampa, which is rough. And here we go. There's no real soft part of the schedule. But Kenny Pickett, if he's the guy and he wants to energize this fan base, you can really energize this fan base right after the bye week. Home against New Orleans, home against Cincinnati, at Indy, at Atlanta, which is not you know that bad. Baltimore, at Carolina, Vegas, at Baltimore, Cleveland. They got a brutal, brutal schedule. But when you have a fan base that is starting to kind of get behind this guy, and every time I see him, he's impressive. I think they might have something in Kenny Pickett that nobody's really talking about. How you look at that week one game at Cincinnati? <clears throat> I know Burrow had the, the the minor surgery, right, Tommy? Supposed to be ready. And, and it looks like Trubisky's the guy for week one, but the, the Steelers are a touchdown underdog on the road to open that one up. It'll be on my circuit uh, sports card, that's for sure. I've been talking to you. I, I gave you my picks like back in June. And I said, I'll see what moves and shakes. That is one that has stayed constant. I love it. Um, it. Divisional games, divisional game plus a touchdown, divisional game plus a touchdown with a good defense like Pittsburgh, divisional game with a touchdown with, with a Super Bowl hangover. Everything falls into place for me to love Pittsburgh in that game. And if it goes south on, say, you you mentioned the Tomlin the Tomlin effect, and that guy never has a losing season. What if it just goes south on him here? I think you get Peckett what entrenched as a starter. I know you had the entry points, but say it just goes completely south from the beginning, you'll get in there a lot sooner than where we think it'll it'll eventually happen, anyways. Yeah, here's the thing with Mike Tomlin and what they're building there. This is a really young Steelers team. I mean, Najee Harris is a surefire number one running back, second year in the league. You look at Pat Fryermuth, surefire tight end. He's young, under 25 years old, right? Pickett would be young. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens they just grabbed. He's going to be their number two wide receiver. They have a young offense. Now, their defense isn't as young, but their defense is dominant at times. Tim, I'm looking at this team and I'm going, if it goes south and Pickett becomes the guy, you get him his reps and you go, we know that in 2023 we could turn it around immediately. We could be back. We could be in Super Bowl conversation. That's how young and talented this team is. And just because we're talking about some of the matchups in week one, this one just popped out at me as well. Just your thoughts on this one. And it involves the Las Vegas Raiders, Tom. They opened the season in in LA against the San Diego Chargers. Yes, I said that on purpose, by the way. But <clears throat> so the the big big hype for Herbert this year, the next year escalation. So you have the field goal on the hook in this one, Chargers at home. I think the Chargers have everything that you want from a Super Bowl team this year. I think that the Chargers um have massively improved their offensive line. They don't have one, but they have two dynamic receivers. 
Herbert's looking like to take this next step. Eckler is a top three or four running back in the league. Their defense added Khalil Mack. They got Bosa, Derwin James, the best safety in the league, and just got paid like it. There's nothing I don't like about this Chargers team except him and the Chargers. Every single year, we've been doing this forever. Every single year, I turn around and, and, you know, right about this time, right about August, and I go, man, I like everything about the Chargers. And basically, why don't you pick them, Tom? You've said this to me. Tom, why don't you pick them? Why do you like them to go to the Super Bowl? Well, because they're the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's reality. And let's be honest, as good as the Chargers were last year, Tim, as exciting, Eckler scored 20 touchdowns. They look good. 5,000 yards for Herbert. They didn't make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's a hard thing to equate when you have so much helium on a team. And that's what the, this team is. It's all talked about. I think the Chargers should beat the Vegas Raiders up and down the field. Their defense should suffocate. Derek Carr, a beat-up Waller. Devontae Adams trying to get involved in a new system. They don't have an established running back. I could go and rip apart the Raiders early in the season for all that they do. But why is everyone just blindly on the Chargers here? It's because they're flashy. They're fun. But flashy and fun last year did not get them even to the playoffs. So I can sit here and have a conversation about Chargers winning the Super Bowl. And I'm listening. I'm involved, and I got to poke some holes in it, but there's not many holes to poke in it. Meanwhile, I am hesitant to lay three and a half in a division game in week one. Yeah, I looked at the when I when I looked at the schedule when it came out, and I saw I was like, okay, what's that line going to be? And as the line came out, I hate the hook there. Absolutely, we already know that. But you have to remember the way the season ended too, and, and the Raiders cost the Chargers that spot in the playoffs with an incredible, that incredible game. And went back and forth in the fourth quarter. They got them. This, that was in Vegas, by the way. So maybe a little motivation there. I don't know, Tom. It's, are they pumped up for this game? Absolutely. Can they make a statement? LA coming out? Yes, I think they can too, but <clears throat> the line scares me a little bit, but I still like, I think I still like the charges in that game. I mean, look, if you're doing X's and O's, Tim, the Chargers have the better quarterback, the better running back, the better wide receivers, uh, the better defense, defensive back, you know, the better front seven. I mean, they're just a better team, but they didn't quite put it together. The Raiders, they should have went in the tank last year without a coach. They should have went into the tank and they just didn't. I have to give the Raiders credit for their resiliency, have to give credit to Derek Carr for being that leader, but a lot of moving parts in week one. It's certainly a game that I'm looking at and I'm saying, you know, it's one of those danger games. A lot of moving parts when you're trying to integrate a Devontae Adams back into an offense. And I think that the Waller thing really is being brushed aside. But Darren Waller, look, he's not shy about his problems, right? Um, he beat him, He's beat his body up for a long time. And now maybe he's feeling some of those those effects, Tim. Maybe the fact that he, he is hurting with this and limping with that and banged up here a bit. It, just years of abuse. We watched it with Hamilton, the baseball player. Remember him? You know, Josh Hamilton winning the home run derby. He was a, he was the best player in baseball for like two, three years. His body just couldn't hold up because he abused it for so long. I'm not saying that is the situation with Waller, but it worries me. Waller not 100% worries me. Devontae Adams trying to get integrated into the offense worries me. Those are, those are worrisome games. Tim, I want to throw one out at you hmm. because I think that the, this is a line on opening day 
that will be maybe a touchdown different if we played it in week eight. And I'm talking about Eagles against the Lions. The Lions are catching four points at home, and I kind of like the Lions. I like what I saw on them. I like what I'm watching you know, um, uh, from, from the camp. I like that their defense is a little bit better. I love that Sewell is just mauling people. I like everything that I see in the Lions. The Eagles are one of those teams right now that, like we just said, I think it's going to take a little while to gel. I think that they're going to get away from a running team and start throwing a little bit to, to Brown. He's got to get integrated into this team. Jalen Hurts is a different player. I think by week eight, this line could be a 10-point line in favor of the Eagles. They they could be that team that just absolutely skyrockets and soars this year. We could be laughing at the fact that in week one, the Lions pulled the upset. I'm liking the Lions here, but man, the Eagles are dangerous, Tim. And do you agree with me? that this, this line will be completely different if they played in Week 8. Oh, there's no doubt the line will be different because I think the, the Lions will be the Lions at, by Week 8. And, you know, we have good friends of ours, friends of the show, family, Chris Wynn, Brian Feldman. They're true, diehard, long-time, hardcore Lions fans. And even, Tommy, they're not buying into the hype of what the overreaction of the Detroit Lions are right now. And I'm not buying into it either. Is there improvements? I, I guess you can say that, but I'm looking at it more like I like the improvements the Eagles made long term this offseason. Will it translate in week one? I don't know. Like you said, there's some chemistry things you have to worry about there. Plus, Jalen Hurts to me, I'm still not I'm still not buying Jalen Hurts. And maybe I'll be wrong after this season, Tom. Maybe he deserves it. But for me, it's still gonna take a little bit more to buy into him. But Brown and Smith, one-two combo there. They have running backs galore there, Tommy. They can pound the ball with. And for as, for as great as the story of the Lions are, and I know you saw the Twitter video of the guy, the rookie singing, everybody loves it. I don't buy into it. I think the Lions are the Lions. They're, they're right there with the Jets and the Browns, man. The Lions right now are the number one bet futures team across the sports books. Dan Campbell right now has the most tickets written for coach of the year. DeAndre Swift has the third most tickets written for MVP. Do you think that hard knocks has a little something to do with that? No doubt about it. This ridiculous futures for what to win the Super Bowl? Oh yeah. Oh no, that's ridiculous. I'll, I'll book all those bets. Me and you can open our own sides beside this time. We'll book all those bets. <laughs> it, and it, I, it does. It has absolutely everything to do with that show. Yes. It sounds comical. Uh, what do you expect? I mean, what's the win total for them this year? Offhand, you know? Can't hear you there, Tim. Sorry. What's the what's the win total for the Lions this year? Do you know offhand? Six. And Six. and and it's the most bet over. I mean, I can see six. I could see five though too. So what's improved about that? I don't get it. What did they win last year, you know? Well, here's the thing. You you break down the Lions' schedule, and I think that a lot of people that are looking at the six wins are giving them gimme wins that I don't see. Okay, <clears throat> Philly-Washington, both games at home, both games they'll be underdog in. Let's say they go one and one. Is that fair? Yeah. We'll go okay, one. fair one and one. At Minnesota, they're not winning that game. Uh, home against Seattle, they're going to win that game. They're two and two. At New England, you're not winning that game before the bye week. So they're two and three before the bye. They're not going to Dallas and winning that game. Two and four. Miami, Green Bay at home. Uh, all right, I'll give them. I'll give them a split there. 
three and five. At the Bears, at the Giants, you're not winning back-to-back games right there. Four and six. You're not beating Buffalo. Four and seven. Jacksonville, okay. Jacksonville at home, five and seven. Minnesota at home, I don't see it. Five and eight. I'll give them the Jets win, six and eight. Then you got to beat at Carolina, at Green Bay, or Chicago. I can see six wins, Tim, but I can't can't really find seven. Unless you're thinking that they can sweep Chicago and, you know, they're going to have to sweep Chicago, go on the road to beat both New York teams, go on the road, you know, to beat Carolina. I mean, they're going to be road warriors. In order to get to six wins, they're going to have to win on the road, and they're going to have to win on the road consistently. I think they can win six. I can't see seven. And our buddy Chris let us know that they won three last year. So if they win six, they need to double the win total. It's a UNLV factor, right, Tom? They doubled their win total. So there you go. I, I don't know. And, and, you know, people, Dan Campbell, coach of the year, Tim? What is, <laughs> here's here's, here's what, why it drives me nuts. I'm not against the odds of taking a shot at Dan Campbell. But you say to yourself, what does he have to do to get coach of the year? To get coach of the year, Dan Campbell has to make the playoffs. That means you got to find nine wins on the board, okay? He's got to make the playoffs. They're not giving coach of the year to a guy that doesn't make the playoffs. It, it, I don't care if it's the Lions. I don't care if they look really good. They're not giving the coach of the year to a guy that doesn't make the playoffs. So he's got to make the playoffs. So instead of taking a shot at Dan Campbell to win coach of the year, why would you not just load up on, on them to win more than six games? This is where I don't understand why people just throw money down on bets and just take. And you can tell me the odds and all this. Yeah, but mitigate the loss. Dan Campbell, here's the crazy thing, Tim. Dan Campbell could win nine games and still not win coach of the year. Yeah, no, I agree. Dan Campbell wins nine games next year, okay? But um, I'm just throwing it out there. Mike Vrabel, you know, wins 13. They're giving it to Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell wins nine games next year, and uh, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville wins nine games. They're going to give it to Peterson. How about, how about this one? We'll do one more, and then we'll take the break. <clears throat> and this popped out to me because I know our good buddy Rob Mish. He writes articles for, uh, I believe it's the Tribune in Chicago, Tommy. And, of course, when he needs Chicago Bear um, – information he goes to the guy mr tom barton chicago opens the season week one at home against san francisco 49ers your bears tommy are a seven point dog trey lance it's a trey lance era for shanahan so a lot of good storylines coming into this and if the 49ers make the playoffs with with uh, trey lance as a quarterback shanahan will win the coach of the year before dan campbell will if the lines are uh, the Bears are on my ticket as well. Give me a plus, give me the plus seven there. And I talked to Rob about this about a month ago. And all of a sudden, what has happened since then? Everybody hates the Bears. The Bears' win total has gone from seven down to six. I'm seeing it five and a half in some spots. You, I knew the eventual line would get up to seven, and it was five and a half for a while. When me and Rob talked, I said it might get to six um, by the time this conversation ends, and it wound up up to seven. It may go higher. The Chicago Bears are at home. Everyone's counting this team out, and for good good reason. I get it, okay? I get why they are. 
They are in a build, rebuild. It's not exactly the smoothest rebuild. But the Niners are a defensive team. You still have a young quarterback against Justin Fields, who's a young quarterback. Both of them make things happen. Justin Fields has looked good in sporadic times at then. Um, they're going to run the ball all day long. And I made mention this to Rob about two months ago when I was in the, the article with him, that all Justin Fields does and what he excels at is play action pass. When he played on the play action pass last year, he was an above average quarterback, if not a good quarterback. When he played play action pass at Ohio State, he was a great quarterback. I think they're going to do a two-headed running attack. I know Herbert went down in camp today. We'll find out about that. But it's going to be Montgomery. It's going to be Herbert. I like Cole Komet. I like Daryl Mooney. Uh, Roquan Smith decided he's going to play out the last year of his contract. Brisker looks really good. Johnson's decent. Look, they lost a lot. I'm not telling you that the Bears are going to win seven, eight games. But you're giving them in their home game with a rookie quarterback coming in. You're giving them a touchdown or more. I'll take the Bears all day. Why, why is everybody – I get it, the rebuild, right? And our buddy Chris just said that the Bears might be one of the worst teams in football. Is it really that bad? I mean, when you look at the team, the receivers are thin, Tom. And I'm just talking about with, with guys that have proven themselves capable of being a top-tier receiver in this league. So if Mooney is your one, it's really up for grabs at, after that, two, three, however you want to go about it. But is Montgomery going to be able to stay healthy – I like Komet a lot, except tight end-wise. But And can the line – you said, you know, the deal with Fields and the play action. Can that line be steady enough all year to keep him upright? That's the question, too. Teams, uh, players, guys that are betting, the media, everybody just seems to hate Justin Fields, and they love Trey Lance. Now, go back 365 days ago. They were about even, if not uh, Trey Lance was was just slightly above him. Somehow or another, Trey Lance, who has gotten bad reviews in camp, by the way, skyrocketed over Justin Fields. When I saw Justin Fields on the field, okay, what I watched with Chicago was a guy that did create things. I think that he's got a lot to learn. But I, I don't think that they're devoid of talent like people believe. Fields, Montgomery, Herbert, right there, you're talented. You just mentioned it. Cole Komet. Daryl Mooney, these guys are solid players. Uh, you you do have like the Velvis Jones and the Byron Pringle. Yeah, they're not the greatest wide receiver core. How about Riley Reef as left tackle? Cody Whitehair's left guard? Left side of that line is going to be pretty good. And then you go to defense. When you lose a Khalil Mack, it's a problem. Anybody watch what Robert Quinn did last year? How many sacks he had? Yeah, he was right up there among the league leaders, guys. He's coming off the edge. Still very solid. Roquan Smith, best linebacker in football. I've said it time and time again. He is. Jalen Johnson is a top five cornerback. Eddie Jackson is maybe the best free safety in the league. Joaquin Brister is having a phenomenal camp as the strong safety. Tim, I see some promise here. I'm not going to go out there and tell you that they should, shouldn't have lowered this. I think that the book's messed up, giving it a seven number to open up. I think you see them at five, six wins. To me, you know, you look at their roster and you go look at a, a roster like Seattle or a roster like the Jets, and it's laughably different. I think the Bears are better than the Jets. I think they're better than Seattle. I think they're better than the Giants. I think they're better than Atlanta. I mean, we could go down the list. The Bears might get a top five pick, but it's not because they're going to win one or two games. Yeah, nobody was saying they're making the playoffs, right, Tom? But at the same time, they're 
they're going to be um, competitive in a lot of games this year. But Tim, here's the thing: it wouldn't shock me in, in, in the NFC. You know, you have the upper tier tier teams. Would it shock you if Justin Fields actually burst out and they snuck in? Because who are they going up against? Who's the playoff teams that they're battling with? Washington, Carolina, right? I, I mean, these are, are this is that last playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see it happening. I do think that in their division, I think Minnesota is a lot better than people give them credit for. Green Bay's not going away anytime soon. But the NFC is is just a weak, weak conference. If it was in the AFC, I'd say, yeah, maybe Bears might win one game. In the NFC, it's quite different. Tommy Barton, Tim Mungles, we Wave Sports. Let's take our final timeout. We'll wrap up this super sunny night with some Major League Baseball as the playoffs slowly creeping closer and closer. And I can't wait to hear Tom's thoughts on his Yankees when we return from the break here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Sports with Tim and Tom Barton. Appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Heatwave Sports every weekend here on Fox Sports Radio, 10 o'clock. Next week, we start our NFL team previews on Sunday night, so make sure you're with us for that. Saturday, we'll have our first college football recap for the season, so it's here. It's football time, but we're going to end the show on baseball mode because that's what we do on this show. And Tom, in this was that Aaron Boone giving that speech, Tim? It sounded like it, but he was the only one clapping, apparently. So we got like ten minutes, Tom. And if if all we get to is the Yankees, that's fine with me. What in the hell has happened in the last thirty games? You've won eleven, and this is after the great trade deadline deals. Um, great. I, I don't. Well, great. at the time, at the time, it was it was the best trade. They got the they got an A. It was the best deals of the deadline at the time. Like break this down. We saw the slump happening when the deadline was going on. It's just gotten worse for them since then. And I know you pinpointed it right after the break. You said, "Look, there's going to be problems here because you, you kind of handicapped it for us." But has it gotten worse than you thought it was going to be? I, I I was afraid of exactly this. It is complete and utter inept just management from the top on down. From the owner, the cheap Hal Steinbrenner, who, by the way, was booed today at Paul O'Neill Day. I love to see that. The cheap Hal Steinbrenner destroying his father's legacy. Brian Cashman making tinkering trades instead of going out there and going for the gusto. And Aaron Boone, who has no idea what he's doing as a manager of the New York Yankees. This team waited too long to make changes that are still not made. Tim, losing guys like Michael King and Clay Holmes was devastating. 
Okay. And the day they lost Michael King, I told you, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm worried because that was a bullpen issue. Losing those guys. Yes, it was devastating. DJ LeMayo has been banged up. I get it. Uh, but you had to know something like this was coming. You had to see it coming. Why? Because Aaron Boone, day after day, every single day, he's putting Aaron Hicks in the lineup. The guy can't field. Okay. He literally lost his game last night. He's a, tr- he's a terrible fielder and he can't hit. Why are you? Why do you have him in there? Oh, I thought getting Anthony ben, Benintendi was going to stop that problem. Aaron Hicks should be DFA'd tomorrow. How about Kiner Falefa? How about that great move that Cashman made during the offseason that I absolutely bashed? You want to talk about bad? The guy can't hit his way out of a paper bag, and that would be fine if he had a gold glove defense. But you don't know where his gold, gold glove is? At third base, he's playing shortstop. He's the worst defensive shortstop in baseball right now. Then you got Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, another head-scratching move that when it happened, I came out here and I said, what the hell is he doing? Why would he do this? We have third baseman. There's no reason for that. He continues to play guys in this lineup that are just giant holes in the lineup. Then you go out there, and not only do you do that, you don't call up obvious replacements. Oswald Peraza is crushing it right now in the minor leagues. Why don't you bring him up? Because you'd have to play him every day because he's that substantially much better than Kiner Falefa. Why are they playing Aaron Hicks ever? I mean, literally ever. The man should never see the field again. All of this is an Aaron Boone problem. I will give you the perfect example of Aaron Boone being Aaron Boone. He's yelling and screaming that the Yankees need something and the Yankees are reeling. Yankees are in a bad way. Alex Manoa is on the mound today, Tim. He is the ace of the team that is chasing you directly behind you. Alex Manoa is on the mound. He walks the first two batters. Glaber Torres is batting 171 over his last 20 games. Glaber Torres has a 3-0 count. He gives him the swing sign. Well, the ball almost hits Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres swings, obviously misses, and it's, it, it's a 3-1 count. Next next at-bat or next uh, pitch, he grounds out. What are you doing, Aaron Boone? You want to play dangerous with a guy that's batting 171 over the last 20 games? There was a time to coach like that. And it was when you were winning all the time. You got to move your philosophy. He's too reliant upon garbage players. And that's what Aaron Hicks is. Aaron Hicks is pure garbage. Josh Donaldson's not far behind. And Kiner Falefer is not a major leaguer. That is just reality at this point. And then he's going out there and you're still going to Chapman? Oh, well, we don't have anybody else. Yes, you do. He's still going to Chapman. Today, Efros went down. They lost Michael King already. Clay Holmes is on the DL. Zach Britton's still not coming back. This team is a nightmare, Tim. And I told you way back when, when you were cashing your ticket, I said it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees started going in a bad direction really fast. I didn't like their deadline moves. I don't like Aaron Boone's coaching. I can't stand the moves Cashman made in the offseason. I can't stand Hal Steinberg and his stingy ways. This whole team is garbage right now. Yeah, Tommy, I need 17 more wins to cash that ticket. So we got to get there, buddy. We got to get there, man. So have not won a series since the end of July against Kansas City. Since then, lost Seattle, swept by St. Louis, lost to Seattle, lost Boston, Tampa, and now Toronto. Gets no better at the beginning of this week. They get the Mets, and you get luck of the draw here, Scherzer to Grom in those two games. But you do the West Coast at the end of the month. You get Oakland, and you get the Angels, who are both in tank mode. Maybe there is that that back on the right track. Yeah, but Tim, how about this? They they get they they take on Capperlean and Sears, who are both of their minor league players. 
right? You don't think they have something to prove there? But, I, I mean, there's just not an easy win on the schedule. Everyone's ripping apart Garrett Cole. Let me tell you something. Garrett Cole is giving them innings. He's doing what he needs to do. Nestor Cortez is doing what he needs to do. What the hell is Jordan Montgomery doing? Oh, he's, he's crushing it for the Cardinals. What, what was that, Tim? What, what move was that? Give me an explanation. Nobody can still explain what that's doing. Oh, by the way, Harrison Bader hasn't taken an at-bat. Eh, because you traded for an injured guy. Frankie Montas looked really good in his first time with the Yankees, right, Tim? Didn't Frankie Montas look good last time out? You know, six runs and six innings against the Blue Jays after six runs and three innings against the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, he looks like a good addition. Hey, what what Cashman did was took a team that is working well. Baseball teams, more than any other sport, are a puzzle. And you need every piece of the puzzle. They don't all have to be corner pieces, Tim. They had a team working well. They had to do small tinkering, probably within the organization. You could have brought up a Peraza. Imagine if Sears was still here. Imagine they had that as their, their go-to guy. They would be able to mix and match within their organization. He wanted to shake up this team, and instead of shaking it up and taking out the garbage, which is Donaldson, IKF, uh, how about how about you know ER, you know error, yeah, that's that's what his new nickname is, and Aaron Hicks. Somehow or another, they're still in this lineup. I turn on my TV, I still see these three complete garbage players in the middle of the lineup, even after Cashman went out there and made these moves. He did nothing. Cashman did nothing to improve this team. Aaron Boone has consistently shot this team in the foot. And I'm telling you now, Tim, eight games back, that's where Tampa Bay is. Eight games back, that's where Toronto is. We're going to be entering September. It's going to be about a six-game lead. And you're looking at a real pennant race down deep later on in the season. Monty is 3-0 and with the cards, including a big FU to the Yankees in his first start. There was still no reason for that. If the reason was Aaron Hicks sucks and we're going to get rid of him and, and you know put Harrison Bader, I could almost live with it. But somehow or another, you did get Benintendi, yet Aaron Hicks is still on my television. Aaron Hicks is still out there. Go bring up Estevan Florio. Do you think Estevan Florio could do worse? It used to be. It used to be the answer with IKF and Hicks was well, they could you know they could play defense. Uh, Falefa might be the worst defensive shortstop we've ever seen. I mean, it, it is it is pathetic what he's doing. I'd rather have Gleyber Torres at this point. Who, by the way, why is Gleyber Torres even starting every day? But that's another story. These are easy fixes, Tim. They're easy fixes that they just will not do because Aaron Boone's not a manager. All he does is get the orders from above. They print it out through a computer, and they say, well, the analytics say this. Well, yeah. How about how about the team that was the first team to seventy wins? No, 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 no. The analytics say to do this, so we're going to do this. We're going to bat Aaron. We're going to we're going to let Glaber Torres, who's batting one seventy one after Manoa walks the first two batters, we're going to let him swing on three and zero. Yeah, smart, Aaron Boone. Maybe Billy Bean joined the front office and we didn't know about it, Tom. Yeah, he did. It's called Hal Steinberg and doesn't care to win a championship anymore, Tim. When teams and organizations don't care to win a championship, and that Oakland's never cared about winning a championship, they made a movie about a loser. Billy Bean's a loser. That's all he's ever done his whole life is lose. He's a loser. They made a giant movie about a loser, and now the New York Yankees with Hal Steinberg going down the same path. But guess what, Tim? He's got the television contract. He's got people coming to the stadium. They're buying the jerseys, the morons with the you know names on the back of the jersey, and putting the money in his pocket so they don't even care about winning anymore. 
It's all about the money, my friend. Speaking of, we're out of here, Tommy. Talk about all the many things that Tom Barton does during the week. Guys, go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. You sign up now. You're going to be able to get every single play that I give out in college football, in the NFL, Major League Baseball, from here until October 1st. If you sign up today, it is TomBartonSports.com. Have it out of sign up for, for the radio all summer long, guys. Let's get that done. Come on, jump on board. It's TomBartonSports.com. Also, go check me out on YouTube. It's Tom Barton Sports. Go check me out over at Sports Garden Network, all the stuff we do there. Wagering Week is the podcast. Same thing with Wanna Bet Weekend Edition. Go check that out every Sunday. Have a very good night, everybody. For Tom Barton, for Ryan Tim Munglesby, we'll talk to you next Saturday night here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas.